where once a month we choose an actor, binge watch their filmography, and then tell you what's worth watching and what isn't. I am your host, Katie Wright, and I'm joined by my other host, Lenny Burnham. Hey. How's it going, Lenny? It's great. I just had a spoonful of sugar as a home hiccups remedy, so if you don't hear me hiccup, that's an official endorsement of having a spoonful of sugar to cure hiccups. I'm not hearing you hiccup. Yeah, seems to work. <laughs> I feel like I was right to suggest that. All right, Lenny. Yeah. Uh, who are we? Who are we talking about this month? Katie, please get ready to full on cream your pants. I'm ready. Because this month we are talking about Michael B. Jordan. Yes. And he is unbelievably handsome. He's so handsome. Lenny, I don't want to brag, but I do want to point out that this is uh, the second episode in which I emerged the victor. And Katie, mm-hmm. I don't want to be bitter, uh-huh. <laughs> but I would like to point out that everyone always votes for one of your choices. Yeah. And I fully enjoy all the actors who've won so far, but I am still full of murderous rage. <laughs> For anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, we decide who who to review each month based on a Twitter poll that you can find at, at Lenny Burnham on Twitter. Lenny nominates two actors, I nominate two actors, and then whoever wins the Twitter poll is the subject of the new episode. And I have won three out of three Twitter polls so far. This is the second out of three. And I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Should we tease who we're doing next time? Yeah, why not? We are doing the lovely, the talented, the only five foot two, Octavia Spencer. <laughs> She's so tiny. She's so tiny. Um, Lenny. Yeah. I just want to make it clear to anybody listening that we are not exclusively nominating actors that we want to have sex with. But it has worked out that the way so far. The first three episodes are all actors we want to have sex with. I also want to have sex with Octavia Spencer. Like, God bless you, and I support that wholeheartedly, but I will say that... All right, well, let's get into it. So we're going through Michael B. Jordan's filmography uh, chronologically. Katie, let's yes. tell everybody what sort of reviews are in store. You've okay. got worth it. That means... You should watch it. Mm-hmm. Not worth it. Don't watch it. Mm-hmm. Those two are both pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> yeah. Here's the less self-explanatory ones. Mm-hmm. Each one of us will give one thing that Michael B. Jordan is in a gold star, which means we're like, this is what you need to watch. This is the thing in his filmography. And we'll also each give one thing Michael B. Jordan is in the black ball, which means we're like, Please do not watch this, not even out of morbid curiosity. I know the fact that we're telling you not to makes it all the sweeter, but please do not. This thing is bad. <laughs> and Lenny. Yeah. I feel like in our previous two episodes, you and I were working off slightly different rubrics. Oh, shit! I feel like I have been giving the gold star to just the thing I think is the best, 
and you've been factoring in whether the featured actor is uh, prominently featured in it. So I just want to make it clear that, like, going forward, I'm going to adjust to the Lenny rubric, and I'm going to factor in whether it's especially worth it for somebody seeking out the work of that actor. Okay, I guess I will just apologize for the confusion mm -hmm. and stress that you should all see the Belko experiment okay. immediately. We all we can all agree that you need to see the Belko experiment. That didn't get a gold star from either of us. I know, but it really we should both have. Like we say, we came so close to giving it a gold star and decided <laughs> not to, and it haunts yeah. me. Yeah, you it's know true. who we're talking about? Michael, Michael B. Jordan. Jordan. So let's get to it, Lenny. All right. Let's get jiggy with it. Uh, the first thing Michael B. Jordan was ever in was a Sopranos episode called Down Neck in 1999. I feel like it's a bit of a trivia fact that Michael B. Jordan was a child actor because he was never like a child star. Yeah. He was just in a few things as a child. Right. But he was in this Sopranos episode when he was about 12, I'm pretty sure. That sounds right. And he's in a tiny amount of it, so I would not recommend it if you're solely looking for Michael B. Jordan things. Mm -hmm. But as someone who is not as into The Sopranos as most people are, I would give that show like a 6 out of 10. I definitely enjoyed this episode, especially just watching it on its own. I thought it worked as like almost like a short film because this episode is about Tony starts to worry if his son AJ knows what he does and that triggers a bunch of memories of him learning about his father being tied to the mob and it's definitely a really interesting self-contained story so I would definitely uh recommend this episode I thought it was it was pretty good my biggest hesitation is and this is like pretty typical of tv but it's very much like for an episode all about whether AJ has ADHD it has like no interest in portraying what ADHD is like which is unsurprising for television unfortunately but sort of a bummer yeah especially like in the what 99 yeah I feel like probably a comparable show today would have a more nuanced understanding of ADHD but hopefully like, some of them don't yeah still. that's true yeah, I totally agree with you. I also am, like, overall pretty bored by The Sopranos, even though it's considered one of the best shows of all time. I just find it, like, pretty boring. But this one is... I was into it, and I didn't watch any of the surrounding episodes. I don't have a lot of context for the show. But it was, like, a good little character-driven story. Yeah, and it made me wonder... I mean, I'd only ever like binge watched The Sopranos previously and watching just this episode sort of made me wonder if I should do more of watching like just an individual episode because obviously television is meant to be watched week to week especially television made in 1999 mm -hmm. um so it definitely made me m more curious to like stop and slowly watch The Sopranos instead of binging it all because I really did get a lot out of it just watching this as an individual episode. Yeah. I wonder if The Sopranos is better if you watch it like one episode a week. Yeah, I bet it. Because I, I mean at the time that it came out, like binge that's watching how it was, was not a thing. Yeah. yeah, definitely. It's interesting. So. All right. Yeah, so I guess like uh, I'll say worth it. Yeah, it's definitely uh, not worth it for me. Not worth it from a seeking out Michael from Jordan a standpoint because he's got like half a second of screen time. Yeah, but it's a good episode. <laughs> um, okay, so next up is a movie called Hardball. 
Um, and Hardball is one of those classic, like, white people going into a poor black neighborhood to teach black kids and enrich their lives type stories. It's like, it's like Freedom Riders, except just garbage. <laughs> Pretty clear that I don't think this movie is worth watching. Lenny, how did you feel about Hardball? Hardball <laughs> is so bad. <laughs> And, um, like, I double-checked um, that the writer and director are both white before making this claim, but I could already sort of tell just watching it that it's such an insincere attempt to show, like, black neighborhoods. It's, like, so obviously just, like, this will give my movie some edge. And yeah. they have no interest in showing a real POV of the kids. And the Michael B. Jordan character is a perfect example where um, partway through the movie, since he can't play baseball anymore, he joins a gang because he can either be an athlete or be in a gang. Those are his only options. <laughs> Another kid he knows is shot to death <laughs> by someone in a gang he's in. And just like the most absurd scene of gang members having zero aim not hurting each other at all and yeah. only hurting this yeah. bystander kid. There are like 20 people involved in this shoot-off and this eight-year-old kid is the only casualty. Yeah, and they just never check in on Michael B. Jordan again. <laughs> like, not even in a really, like, lazy way where he, like, comes to the funeral and is like, this made me realize gangs are bad. They're just like, that's a wrap on Michael B. Jordan. Who cares about the trauma of seeing a kid you know shot down by a gang you're in? It's just such a... I think, Katie, you said the person pitched it as bad news bears in the ghetto and that's very clearly yeah. what it is it's so just disgusting and exploitative and really really bad <laughs> yeah and like uh we wouldn't describe it as in the ghetto but they use the term ghetto so much in the movie that it's, like it's fair to say that whoever pitched it pitched it as bad news bears in it's the ghetto the most ridiculous <laughs> overblown version of it and yeah and like i said it just has no interest in any sort of real pov it's just like someone who watched a couple movies that take place in black neighborhoods and maybe listened to biggie smalls one time cranked out this screenplay yeah. it's so bad and i don't know if we said this yet but the the white savior adult man is keanu reeves Giving, giving a typically Keanu Reeves type performance. Yeah. He's very blank and dead eyed. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is not the worst thing about it, but it's just like weird. Um, Keanu Reeves meets his love interest, Diane Lane, who's like a teacher, and he really like freaks out about how sexy Diane Lane is in a weird way. And like, Diane Lane's a beautiful woman, but his reaction is like, if like, Pamela Anderson was <laughs> randomly a teacher. Yeah. It's really weird. That's fair. She's clearly supposed to be, like, weirdly sexy. It's true. Like, they do, like, dress her reasonably. Like, yeah. she looks like she a reasonable teacher. She just looks like a teacher who happens to have, like, a very attractive face. Yeah, and that's he's true. just like, whoa, you don't seem like a teacher. <laughs> I'm Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Uh, and in this movie, you also have to watch Keanu Reeves, like, sing some Biggie Smalls, which is oh the most God. embarrassing thing I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. Painful. Yeah. It's a painful movie. Yeah. Also, it's like, okay, last thing for me. And then we. <laughs> but, like, 
for the majority of this movie, I mean, I haven't seen Bad News Bears, but my impression of it is that it's a comedy all the way through. And this movie, like, starts out clearly feeling like it's a comedy, and it feels like, oh, these bunch of foul-mouthed kids and this gam this man who's working off his gambling debt, ha ha ha. And then it's like 80% of the way through, it's suddenly like, gang violence out of nowhere. And it's a dramatic turn that's totally unearned, and it feels horrible. I hate this movie so much. Not worth it. Yeah. Not worth it. Not worth it. <laughs> Next up is The Wire. And I'm, I'm proud of Michael B. Jordan for, I think, like, before he hit 18, being in, like, the two shows that are considered the best TV shows <laughs> of all time. That's true. If he just, like, hit Breaking Bad, he would have done the trifecta. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's in quite a few episodes of The Wire, right? I think, I think so. In, I think he's in, like... A dozen to twenty episodes of The Wire. That sounds and right. And we watched like what two three or three. Two yeah. Three. Um, I'm not as huge a fan as obviously the rest of the world mm -hmm. is, but I do think that Michael B. Jordan and Co. are definitely like the best part, and him and his buds have like a really fun repertoire. So I'm giving it a worth it mostly for them. I could care less about the cop main character. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah, I also, like, in general, I'm really into prestige TV more than you are. But, like, I d I'm not into The Sopranos and I'm not into The Wire. Yeah, like, overall, I find this show really boring. But I do feel like the scenes with the young guys who are involved in crime, uh, Michael B. Jordan and his buds, especially his no-eyebrow-having friend. I don't remember the character's name or the actor's name. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they're interesting and they're like pretty fun to watch. Um, overall, I still find this show boring, but it's got good parts, yeah. which is a it's, weird thing to say about The Wire. It's one of those <laughs> things where like, I believe people who say that you get into it and if you watch a full season, there's a payoff, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things where it's just like, why should I have to give TV writers the benefit of the doubt? Like, their job is to make every single hour interesting, you yeah. know? I have to put in the time investment of the equivalent of, like, three movies to get yeah. to the part where, where I'm really into it. So, like, I'm honestly going to say not worth it because overall I found this boring. Yeah, that's <laughs> Even though fair. I had moments I'm, of enjoyment. I'm giving it a very, a very soft worth it because... I did really enjoy the the banter between Michael B. Jordan and his buddies, um, but yeah, it's definitely that. sort of on the fence. I get that. I definitely like consider myself a TV snob, and I <laughs> and I feel sad that I'm giving The Wire not worth it, but it's a pretty boring show. Sorry, everybody. Next up is a CSI episode called Poppin' Tags just a great title for an episode and Poppin Tags is of course an episode about rappers right am I right for you guys at home Katie is fully looking at this episode on her phone while I'm aggressively about it. googling it okay. I every like crime procedural we watch just runs together in my yeah. brain y'all when we started this podcast I was sure that like the thing that would get to me would be bad movies, but procedurals really snuck up on yeah. me as just the 
pain of my existence because every actor is in at least like five episodes yeah. of really bland procedurals. <laughs> it's so terrible. But Katie, isn't uh, this the one where rappers like make each other wear women's laundry? I thought so. I thought so, but I just wasn't 100% sure. The death of three unidentified teenagers lead the CSIs inside the world of rap music. Yeah, okay. That's a very bland description, but yes, there definitely are battle where rappers keep blackmailing each other into wearing bikinis. It's very weird. And it sounds like it would be more interesting than it is. But it's only as interesting as it is, which is very little. Uh, I don't remember a lot of the details of this episode. Obviously, that's true of almost every procedural that we have watched. But I will say, Lenny, I fully don't remember what character Michael B. Jordan played in this. Do you remember? I also don't remember. It's Michael so Jordan. boring. Yeah. And he doesn't have a big part. Okay. He's yeah. just like a member of somebody's entourage or something. I don't know. Ah, this is a pass. Yeah. It's a pass for me. It Never also, watch CSI. Never. Yeah, it also gets a not worth it for me. The most notable <laughs> thing is that Travis Barker, the drummer of Blink-182, is in it. And in just yeah. one line... He gives, like, the worst performance I've ever seen. I'm like, how can you be that bad an actor with one line? Do you remember what his one line No, is? I don't. Uh, but that's, like, the only notable thing about it is just how fucking bad an actor Travis Barker is. <laughs> All I can say that's vaguely pro-CSI is having to watch a bunch of CSI for this podcast has really made me appreciate my man George Eads. <laughs> Anyone who listened to the David DeSmolchin podcast knows I'm a huge MacGyver fan. And even in... The garbage pit that is CSI, sweet, sweet baby George Eads is okay. Aww. I'm proud of him. He is okay. <laughs> I have, I feel no particular ill will toward him. All right, next is the daytime soap opera All My Children, which Michael B. Jordan was on for a long time. Fun fact, I feel like uh, not that many A-list celebs have a soap opera in their past, and that's pretty delightful. As for watching the actual show, uh, I feel a little silly reviewing All My Children because it's like, look, either you're already addicted to it and you don't care whether it's objectively good or you'll never watch it in your life, but uh, coming in as an outsider and watching a few episodes, I would definitely give it a not worth it. I'm sure, like, when you fall into it and are like, oh my god, Erica has a third baby, it's very exciting. But it's not a good show. <laughs> yeah. It's not a good show. I feel like I'm somewhat open to, like, being sucked into a soap opera. Because I like Desperate Housewives. And, like, my sister-in-law has been watching General Hospital her whole life. And she got me into it at a certain point. And so I'm not, like, opposed to this kind of TV. But I just feel like the show, like, has very little to offer. <laughs> like, it's, it's like... A, a joke of a soap opera like it's like the kind of the kind of imaginary soap opera that the characters on better shows are watching in the background and they're just like the production value of a daytime soap I don't expect it to be high but of this I feel it was like especially low like there's a scene in an airport that's <laughs> clearly just in like some basement and they're trying to trick you into thinking it's an airport it's just not good. There's, I'm not, I'm not sucked in by any aspect of this. Uh, and I give it a not worth it. Yeah, I also give it a not worth it. Okay, next is Without a Trace. 
and the episode title is The Calm Before, and Lenny, you and I were just debating whether this episode is actually about Hurricane Katrina, and I looked it up, and it actually is about Hurricane Katrina, so you win. Um, This, without a trace, just another one of those procedural shows that is interchangeable with all the others and is terrible. And this one, this episode is about Hurricane Katrina. I hated this. It was bad. It was boring. Uh, don't watch it. Uh, Lenny, anything to add? <laughs> yeah, I would just add that um, this was my first time watching Without a Trace. It's one of those TV blind spots for me. And uh, this episode is in a non-chronological order. And I assume that's typical of this show from what I gathered because it didn't like make a big deal of being like this is an unusual format um and i have a big pet peeve about shows that like try to do an unusual format but underneath that they're just like the most basic thing imaginable because it's like you're just confusing me for no reason like if you're gonna be fucking csi at least don't be confusing so uh yeah i hate this show (laughs) That's fair. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, it is like an incredibly lazy show. And then it's just like doing a Pulp Fiction format (laughs) on top of it for no good reason. Terrible. In brighter news, the next episode Mm -hmm. is a a little show called Burn Notice. The episode is called Hot Spot. And I'm going to level with you guys. I fully don't remember the plot of this episode. (laughs) But... I really enjoyed watching it. It was just a really fun experience. So I'm definitely giving a burn notice a worth it because it's just sort of one of those USA shows where attractive people wear sunglasses and flirt with each other. And you're just like, I'm at home with a stomach flu right now and there's a marathon of burn notice on the TV and I'm loving life. And uh, so I'm giving it a worth it. Yeah, I would definitely give the series burn notice a worth it, but I think I would give this episode a not worth it. I'm, I've watched a lot of burn notice in my life. This is like one of the shows that me and my mom had in common when I was a teenager. Uh, I've seen a lot of Burn Notice, and I really like the relationship between the characters, and usually I feel like there's a, the writing is, like, pretty fun, but this one, I also don't really remember what it was about, and I felt like it was more boring and less snappy than most of the episodes. Yeah, if I like had standards for burn notice like you do I can definitely imagine feeling that way but coming in for the first time I was just like oh these people are all cute and they'll walk in a line together to music I'm listening so it's like I I don't know what to say it was just really fun watching burn notice that's fair like burn notice is definitely crazy fun and I highly recommend it (laughs) <laughs> Michael B. Jordan, not especially memorable. Either. Yeah, he was, like, super unmemorable. His first few TV episodes, there's a lot of, like, every single episode he has this line, in my neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I also feel like there's a there's a pretty good chunk of Michael B. Jordan's filmography where, like, he hadn't really learned to be an actor yet, which is fair because he started acting <laughs> right, when he was, yeah. like, 10, 
But it's like he starts looking like the Michael B. Jordan you know before he starts becoming a professional caliber actor. Uh, and so at this point, we're still at the point where he's he's not, kind of he's riding the cute kid yet. high yeah. for a while. <laughs> yeah, but he's like sixteen at this point. Yeah, so he's, he's not he, like like, a child. like Eric Von Detten cute. Yeah, kid. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> oh boy, Lenny. Next up is. Uh, an episode of Bones. <laughs> uh, this episode is called The Plane and the Prodigy. And the IMDb description of this episode is Bones and Booth investigate the murder of an Amish piano prodigy. I vaguely remember watching that. I distinctly remember hating David Boreanaz. <laughs> There's never been an episode of Bones worth watching. I don't know if I'd say this one is especially not worth watching. But I would say, avoid this show with your life. I'm really looking forward to getting to the point in Michael B. Jordan's career where he's not doing bland, horrible procedural after bland, horrible procedural. Lenny, your thoughts? Katie, yeah. anyone who knows me knows one thing, <laughs> and it's that I have a vendetta against Bones. Sure. Not only is David Boreanaz a terrible actor, and it's a bad show, and I hate it, including this episode. Not worth it. Next up is an episode of Law and Order Criminal Intent called Inhumane Society, and he plays a boxer in this, but Katie, mm -hmm. it's not Creed. Aww. Please don't get confused and think that this episode of Law and Order Criminal Intent is Creed. I was wondering why this was considered to be the best installation of the Rocky series. <laughs> it's significantly worse than Creed. Uh, I didn't have a lot to say about it, except that Law and Order Criminal Intent, like, obviously... If you've listened this far, you've gotten the idea that me and Katie are not big procedural heads. <laughs> but it's like, even by those standards, Criminal Intent, I think, is one of the more boring ones. Like, mm. at least SVU has, like, Mariska Hargitay and Ice-T, but just, like, there's zero charisma on this show. Nothing's going on. Hella boring. Not worth it. Yeah. Law & Order is, like, the one procedural that I am here for. But Criminal Intent is the worst branch of the Law & Order tree. I love Law and Order. I love Law and Order SVU. Criminal Intent? No, thank you. It's got it's got nothing for me. And this was even like post peak Criminal Intent because it didn't have D'Onofrio. Just had a bunch of nobodies, right? Yeah. It was just like truly terrible. Oh, next up. Speaking of truly terrible, well, next up is Lie to Me. Uh, particularly the episodes Killer Ape and Smoked, and. I don't know how many ways I can say this procedural is boring, don't watch it. But I guess I would just like to say that on top of the usual procedural bullshit, Lie to Me offers the following affronts. It is based on a total pseudoscience that micro-expression bullshit has been proven to be bullshit. Uh, and it stars an amazing actor, Tim Roth, the greatest, giving, like, the worst performance of his career. Uh, and so, much as I hate most basic, uh, or, uh, like, network major television, network. major network procedurals, I have a special hate in my heart for Lie to Me. Avoid at all costs. Katie, yes. I'm gonna give this not worth it. I'm gonna echo everything you said, and I'm just gonna expand on your two points. 
Number one, in addition to that micro-expression things being like complete bullshit, it's also like everything that they're like, this is how you tell someone is lying to you. It's just like every symptom of autism and ADHD and nothing else. Oh shit, I did not realize It's just that. like, they don't make eye contact, they fidget a lot. Wow, <laughs> fucked up, lie to me. Yeah. And number two, in addition to being a great actor, Tim Roth is hot as hell. Yes. But not on this show. I can't even J-O to it. It's that <laughs> worthless. Yeah. I, like, was aware of who Tim Roth was and liked him when Lie to Me became a show. And, like, I didn't realize it was him for several years. Because he's just, like, so unappealing. Really, really a shocking waste of time. Yeah. Like, I'm glad it bought him his second home in Tallahassee. Sure. <laughs> but Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Katie. Yes. I think we can all agree <laughs> that this has been a depressing slump. Correct. <laughs> um, but there's good news on the horizon. No, I don't believe it. Because next up is not just a good show, not just a great show, but the recipient of my gold star. Oh shit! Friday Night Lights. You guys, Friday Night Lights is such a special show. The writing and acting is at such a great caliber. It's so just emotionally resonant and honest. And you know, it's hard for me to sum up why it's so perfect, because you know, when something's perfect, it's just perfect. Sure. Um, but mm -hmm. I think what makes Friday Night Lights so special to me is like, in one way, it's super realistic as far as, like, it actually shows, like, economic realities and, like, people struggling and stuff like that that TV usually glosses over. But at the same time, it's a very optimistic show and just, like, everyone being a really good person and, like, people you don't expect to be redeemed, like Billy Riggins, like, still are redeemed. It's got such a good heart and also so realistic, and I feel like that just never happens, that combo. Um, I love Friday Night Lights so much, you guys. And if you think, like, I feel like a lot of people are probably like, I don't want to watch a show about football in Texas where, like, every character is a Christian. But, like, even if you think that, give it a chance because it really transcends all of that stuff. It's just, like, a well-done show. Um, and what's especially great if you want to watch... Uh, if you want to watch it just for Michael B. Jordan, is that um, he comes in at season four and the start of season four is basically like a pilot because uh, Coach has started teaching at a new school, or coaching at a new school and has all these new problems. So like when we watched season four and five, it didn't even feel like watching the end of a series. It felt like watching just a good, quick two season TV show. And I really just, I can't recommend Friday Night Lights enough. It's just like, a show like this doesn't come around that often. Yeah, I was really amazed at how much I love this show. Um, I think I'd watched maybe one episode. I think I watched the pilot years ago and that was it before uh, revisiting it for this podcast. And there's like nothing about this show that I should like really because I'm not interested in football. And I pretty much never enjoy dramas that are like medium serious. Like basically every drama I like is Gilmore Girls and it's basically a comedy or like it's Breaking Bad and it's all murder all the time. And, uh, and Friday Night Lights is just like a very middle, like, you know, people working through their emotional issues type drama. And 
it's just so incredibly well written and basically every single character is so feels so real and is so interesting and engaging that despite it having no nothing I would check off on my list of what I look for in a show I loved it and uh we when we're going through shows if a character is in like a bunch of episodes of a show we only commit to watching like a couple episodes uh but we watched every episode that Michael B. Jordan was in and I was sad when it was over and I would have kept watching it and I might go back and watch Friday Night Lights from the beginning now because it was fucking great yeah and (laughs) Like, all I would add is just, like, to give a specific example of sort of how good this show is at really, like, small, detailed storytelling is, like, for example, there's an episode where uh, a character's father dies, and there's a scene about him going into the funeral parlor and the guy, like, trying to overcharge him and give him a funeral he definitely can't afford. And, like, that to me is such a, like brutally realistic scene in a way that you don't usually see and like so many shows would go for the over dramatic thing when a character's father is dead and like Friday Night Lights is just always so pitch realistic and it makes everything like more dramatic because it's so close to uh close to reality yeah Friday Night Lights definitely worth it uh Lenny yeah you know as Dolly Parton says (laughs) Uh, you can't have sunshine without a little rain. And that rain is parenthood. Uh, I hate parenthood. And Michael B. Jordan is in a few episodes of it. Uh, here's, here's the way in which I hate parenthood. It's not aggressively terrible. It's just, like, there's no reason to watch it. It's bland and, and it's kind of nothing. And, like, moment to moment... Rarely am I like, oh, that scene was a mess. It's just like, I didn't need to see that. Uh, and I and Michael B. Jordan plays a character who I feel like is especially, I didn't need to see that. He plays a, a volunteer coordinator at a food bank and the teenage girl character, uh, not May Whitman. I think her name's one. Hattie. Sure, that sounds right. <laughs> uh, teen girl character is volunteering at this, food shelter, or food shelter, food, food bank. bank, food bank, and, um, and the volunteer coordinator doesn't like her for some reason, and then they have a fight about how she's a privileged white girl, but then they fall in love. It's just a kind of interaction I don't ever need to see, and, uh, it's a hard pass for me, and I'm giving this a definite not worth it. Yeah, I'm also giving it a not worth it. Here's how I would describe it. Uh, this it pains me to say this, but Parenthood is uh, from a lot of the same people who made Friday Night Lights, actually. Oh. Yeah, it's from a lot of the same creative team. I didn't know that. Yeah, and it has the same thing of being, like, extremely realistic, but to me, it's, like, realistic in a way where I feel like I'm at my friend's house and their family is fighting, and I'm like, <laughs> can I go? Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. Um, and yeah, I totally agree with you that the Michael B. Jordan character is especially bad. Like, the other characters, like, I don't enjoy watching, but I feel like they're very real and, like, like the show is very sincere in what it's doing. But he feels, like, extremely phoned in and just, like, we want to put this character with a hot guy who will also tell her what it's like to really struggle. And yeah, 
it's yeah. so much less uh like real than the rest of the show it's embarrassing <laughs> yeah and we like when we were watching it we accidentally skipped an episode somehow so we watched the episode where, where Michael B. Jordan is introduced and hates this girl and then we watched the episode where they are dating and it seems like they've been dating for a while and it was like skipping one episode we missed this entire arc they apparently had and it just felt to me like an additional indictment of the show and maybe of all television <laughs> y'all we're gonna take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor don't know who it is hope it's not scientology because we're just fully taking it on faith mm -hmm. and then when we come back michael b jordan will take the leap from tv to movie stardom do you find yourself unable to watch television who has the time well luckily we do i'm liam senior i'm josh phillips we host a podcast where we watch old canceled TV for, for you. Musty TV, every Thursday on the Major Cast Network. My father says we're crazy. My mother won't talk to me anymore. Next up is a film called Chronicle. Uh, for people who don't remember what Chronicle is, it was a found footage superhero movie combining two overdone things to make a fairly original thing. <laughs> um, it's about Michael B. Jordan, Dane DeHaan, and a third kid whose name I didn't bother to learn. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> um, who go into this cave and come out with superpowers, and it follows uh, what happens to them afterwards. And I definitely had my issues and gripes with this movie, but it was really just one of the most sort of fun just viscerally enjoyable and, and intense experiences I've had watching a movie in a while. So um, even though there, it definitely made some story choices that I wouldn't have made, I am giving it uh, a big worth it just for being a good watch. I think it really helps that it's like, it's like 80 minutes long. So like even yeah. when they do something that I would not have done, it doesn't like get bogged down in that. And it's sort of just like one fun or intense scene after the other. Um, so yeah, definitely uh, give Chronicle a watch. Uh, his name, the third guy's name is Alex Russell. All right, thank you. Neither of us can be blamed for not remembering a name. So blamed. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. This movie was, was a good watch. And as much as I hate found footage movies, and this movie does fall into some of the, the traps of found footage movies like not making sense like why is he filming himself <laughs> editing this footage together no one would do that uh it's still got good characters and a good story and I think that it like the third act takes a turn that I fully do not endorse and I think it was a mistake but it is such a short movie that the third <laughs> act is like 25 minutes long so it's still like on balance 80% of it I'm I'm pretty into as a movie. It's it's good. It's enjoyable. Yeah, it's weird how good it is. Like, in the beginning when, like, nothing is happening, that's really, like, the best part. It's just, like, <laughs> so good at capturing, like, friends hanging out in, like, yeah. a really fun way. It's, like, the very beginning, it's truly nothing is happening. Right. And then, like, the middle beginning when it's just friends <laughs> hanging out is great. And then it's kind of, like, the more it heightens, the less great it is. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, the parts that are just kind of 
some some teenagers messing around. That's really the best part. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I will I'll also say it's worth it. Next up is the house episode Love is Blind and as perhaps you would guess from that very clever title, this is about a blind character played by Michael B. Jordan. Um, this is season seven of House, which is like the most questionable season. Even though I did enjoy it, it is, I feel distinctly the most questionable. And this episode, I would say is like, uh, particularly questionable. <laughs> this, like, I would have to do a full House rewatch to say for sure, but I feel like this might be one of the worst episodes. <laughs> Even though it's not a terrible episode of television in general, compared to other House episodes, it's mm, pretty dumb. Uh, Michael B. Jordan is a blind guy who is on the way to propose to his girlfriend when suddenly he starts hearing these screeching noises and uh, they like block out his hearing so he's admitted to the hospital and then it's uh, basically just an episode of him being blind and having bad taste in women. Much as I love House overall, I think that this episode is, like, decidedly not worth it. Yeah, I'm also going to give it a not worth it. It's definitely, it's not in a category with other bad procedurals we've talked about. No, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is one of the the lesser episodes of House, but I would still probably, like, if it was a Grey's Anatomy episode, put it in the top ten or definitely twenty Grey's Anatomy episodes. That's true. That's a good point. Um... But also, like, the main reason I would not recommend it is because I just can't live with the idea of this being someone's, like, first impression of the show House. Yeah. So, there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is interesting to think of it, like, compared to the other procedural episodes we've watched for this podcast. Like, it's so much better than any of them, but the House can do better. <laughs> uh, next up is a show, it's a movie called... Hotel Noir, which was first released on, under a different title. Hold on. Yeah, that's right. City of Sin? City, yeah, City of Sin. Yeah. And then, like, four years later, suddenly released as Hotel Noir, which is already a big red flag yeah. for a film. And City of Sin, the original release, was black and yeah. white. And then it was released in color under the name Hotel Noir. Yeah. So this is clearly a cursed film just <laughs> from that. Um, and it is the recipient of my black ball. And basically, it's just a whole bunch of nonsense. I just, uh, it starts with a, it starts with Danny DeVito typing up a story that might be the story we are then watching or might not be. Uh, they try to... They try to have E from Entourage play a tough guy. Oh, that's right. He's so tiny. <laughs> you have to watch Mandy Moore and Carla Giugino both unquestionably be attracted to Danny DeVito. <laughs> no disrespect to Danny DeVito. Like, obviously, I would bang him in real life because he's Danny DeVito. <laughs> sure. But if he was just a fictional character who looked like Danny DeVito, like, fuck off with that shit. <laughs> um, it's, it's just all bad. And you guys... This is why we make this podcast. The film 
filmmakers put Michael B. Jordan on the cover of this damn movie. Yeah. But he's in one scene. Yeah. This is why we are here for you. <laughs> Do not watch this movie. It's so incoherent and Michael B. Jordan is in legit one scene. Yeah, I forgot. We had a debate because if, if we have to pay to watch something, we sort of debate mm -hmm. the merits of, of paying for it. And it was like, well, okay, Michael B. Jordan is on the cover of this movie. This is, like, it, he's certainly going to have a significant <laughs> amount of screen time. He had one, like, four-minute scene. And, uh, yeah, this movie, there's nothing about it that's worthwhile, honestly. Like, there's a fair amount of good actors, fair amount of bad actors in the cast. There's a lot of actors overall. It's very <laughs> spread out. And it's just... It offers nothing. And it's just occurring to me now that this is like a film noir uh, pastiche. And it was released black and white and called City of Sin. And that makes me feel like they just wanted people to accidentally rent it when they were trying to rent Sin City. Yeah, fully. Yep. <laughs> Which is weird because it's not like... It doesn't have like a comic booky type vibe or anything. Like, watching it... I knew that it had a really low Rotten Tomatoes score. Like, I think it's like a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I was really surprised because even though I thought it was terrible, I thought it was terrible in the way that, like, pretentious people would like. Yeah. I, I would have expected it to have, like, an 80% on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. Yeah. I think I told you, like, if I had gone in blind and not known anything about it, you could have totally told me that this was a David or Russell movie yeah. that, like, got nominated for awards, and I'd be like, yeah, sure, people like that dumb bullshit. Yeah, I would have believed that this won an Oscar, honestly. Much as but I hated it. It's it terrible. Sucks. Yeah. Re-emphasizing that. It was really It completely bad. sucks. Yeah, but I'm just amazed that, like, everybody had their eyes open to the fact <laughs> that it sucks. <laughs> Next up is Fruitvale Station. And uh, this is probably the thing that put Michael B. Jordan on the map. I guess maybe uh, maybe Friday Night Lights is, but Fruitvale Station was like his first big turn like as a, a movie actor. Yeah, and uh, it's about the real murder of a young black man by police officer. Um, and it's a really heartbreaking movie, and it's it's really great. Um, I don't really know what to say about it. It's hard to talk about because it's such a it's such a real thing, and it's about a real guy's life. But I guess I was really impressed with this movie because it seems like it would be so hard to make a good movie where a character's just going about their day, and then at the end they're killed. Like, how do you make that tone not seem uneven? Uh, but it, this movie really pulls it off. Like, they tell you up front that he's gonna die at the end like even if you didn't know about the real event uh they open with i think it's the real footage mm -hmm. of of the of him uh being killed by the police and and so then it makes you look at everything that is going on in his life differently um and he's like uh he's been in prison in the past and he's trying to turn his life around and he's he's trying to take care of his family and it just makes everything feel tragic um it's a really it, it's a really well done movie and it's kind of hard to describe what's great about it but everybody knows that this is a great movie and that reputation is earned and uh this is the one that i'm giving my gold star i think this is the the best thing michael b jordan has done lenny yeah i pretty much agree with everything you said it's 
extremely well executed. It has a really consistent tone and yeah, people should uh people should just watch it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's yeah. all I can really say. Watch it. <laughs> uh next up is Justice League, The Flashpoint Paradox, which is one of those uh animated films DC comes out with sometimes and uh for those people who don't know what Flashpoint is, it's probably the most uh iconic uh the Flash story and every execution is a little bit different, but all of them are about Barry Allen going back in time to stop his mom from being murdered by Yabard Thon. And then when it comes back, oh, everything is different because he messed with time. And it's basically just like an excuse for the DC people to put out their AU fanfic and just make whatever weird shit they want happen. And if that's what you're interested in, this is a great execution of that. Like, Wonder Woman brutally murders Steve Trevor on screen and that's only like the fifth most insane thing in this movie. It's really fun. Um, Michael B. Jordan plays Cyborg, who is the one character who's pretty much a sweetie in both universes. <laughs> uh, and he's a really dynamic voice actor. I can see why he's in like a lot of video games and stuff. It's extremely for the fans. Like if you're not excited by the idea of seeing Lex Luthor team up with Slade Wilson, you can probably take a pass on this one. But I thought it was really fun and I'm definitely giving it a worth. So I disagree. <laughs> Here are the ways in which I okay. disagree. Okay, the first thing I hate about uh, the Flashpoint paradox is the animation. I feel like it's really badly done. Like, it lo it looks like trash to me. Like, it doesn't look good, and it also doesn't look interesting. <laughs> it's like a bunch of really quick sketches of like, oh yeah, this is roughly what we want the flesh to look like. We'll flesh this out later. Uh, also, incredibly boring. <laughs> I was so bored by this. Probably, I know, Lenny obviously has like a lot more previous investment in these characters than I do because he's he watches all the DC shows and I don't really. So I was seeing this storyline for the first time. I wasn't familiar with the existence of this storyline. And as a person not familiar with this storyline, I was like, this A is boring, B is incredibly depressing. It was like dark, but not in a way that worked, I think. It had a weird tone. It felt like it should be child friendly because it had, it was, it seemed so like basic, but then it was obviously incredibly not child friendly because it was so dark. Um, I did not enjoy a single second of this movie and this one gets my black ball. I hate it so much. So that's where I'm coming from. Lenny, you look shocked and horrified. My counters are number one, uh -huh. fucked up. <laughs> Wait, what's fucked up? Just, just the everything? whole review. Okay. Just like <laughs> hating this more than Hotel Noir. <laughs> My second counterpoint is that Eobard Thon is a messy bitch who loves drama. Let me tell you something. I fully don't remember which one was Eobard Thon. Oh it all ran together. It was a mess. Sorry, Lenny is just giving me a hand that says I cannot deal with you right now. And now he's covering his mouth, breathing heavily, and trembling in rage. His face is turning red. And now he's nodding to say, yes, Katie, that's correct. I'll deal with you later. Correct. <laughs> I am about to 
go off like I'm Wonder Woman and you're Mira over here. I don't remember. Within the Flashpoint Paradox. Okay. Because I cannot handle this. (laughs) And because I would like to remind you that a villain called Top just straight up says it looks like I'm the top and you're the bottom to Barry Allen in this film. I remember that. I remember that now. That was maybe the one bright spot in the entire dark misery. Shock. That was this horribly animated weirdly darkly toned feature so katie is no longer on this podcast (laughs) she has been replaced (laughs) i chihuahua harvey is my new (laughs) co-host he's gonna have much more problematic opinions (laughs) oh friends let's all cleanse the palate with a nice 45 second Spike Jones film. So this is a project called Making a Scene. Um, and I don't fully understand what this project <laughs> was, but a bunch of different directors were all hired, assigned, 30 second to one minute scenes that I guess together we're supposed to string together to make no, they're not supposed to string I think together. they're all separate. Oh, then why is it called making a scene? If they're not making a scene together. Anyway. I think they're each making a each scene. Each one makes a scene. Okay. Well, it's weird. It's a weird thing. Uh, Spike Jones did one, and it had Michael B. Jordan in it. Even though it's a teeny tiny little snippet, it's still pretty clearly got that Spike Jones thumbprint on it and it's pretty charming i like it and you can watch it for free on youtube and it takes one minute out of your life so i recommend it yeah i thought this was very fun um and yeah like you said it definitely has that spike jones signature writing um uh yeah definitely watch it and uh be sure to search for making a scene michael b jordan uh, so that you find the right one, because they're all titled Making a Scene. <laughs> yeah, we accidentally watched one that was... Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett, yeah, eating a fish. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up is a little thing called That Awkward Moment. Uh, for those of you who don't remember That Awkward Moment, it was a rom-com starring Zac Efron, Miles Teller, and Michael B. Jordan. And basically, it's trying to be like... We're doing rom-coms a little differently. (laughs) And by a little differently, they mean worse. Because this movie is absolute garbage. There's so many reasons it's absolute garbage, you guys. I think one of the big ones is it's trying so, so hard to be relatable to millennials. But just, like, does such a bad job. Like, they have, like, one line about how broke they are. But then the rest of the movie, you're like, we can see their apartment. (laughs) Like... And there's just like a lot of stuff that like that that's not genuine at all. Miles Teller and Zac Efron are just like unbelievable assholes. And like sometimes they'll acknowledge it. Like sometimes they'll be like, I don't have feelings. And you'll be like, oh, this is just Patrick Bateman. But then at the end, they're like, but they're in love and it's great. Um, And then Michael B. Jordan kind of has the opposite problem where he's sort of just like, perfect like he blows up a little a couple times but for the most part it's just like he's such a selfless nice dude and the other guys are so awful and I think like what offends me most about it is that it's just it's so smug and like 
it's so bad and stupid that I wish it would just like be how to lose a guy in 10 dates which was at least like sincere in what it was doing but that awkward moment is like equally stupid but so convinced that it's such a like smart edgier more in touch movie it drives me insane and I feel like um like its whole thing is being like whoa what if we made a rom-com uh record scratch for men <laughs> but it's like you know American Pie and 40 year old virgin and uh there's something about Mary already have better romances than this movie and like Nora Ephron and Nancy Myers movies already have better weird sex stuff than this movie <laughs> so it's just like combining the worst parts of two things to make a cheesy rom-com that is also unbearably douchey I hate everything about that awkward moment yeah, Lenny, you pretty much covered it. Uh, I feel like the only things I have to add are that this was the movie that made me realize I don't like Zac Efron. I've thought I liked him for over a decade at this point, and watching that awkward moment, I was like, oh, he's just been coasting on being handsome and the fact that I liked Hairspray when I was in high school. Uh, so it had that power. Uh, and then my other... The other thing I'd like to add uh, in the argument against that awkward moment is that it's a dumb, contrived comedy doing dumb, contrived comedy shit, and then three quarters of the way through, it decides to take a dramatic turn and have something serious happen, and it's completely unearned, and it does nothing to help the movie. It only makes it worse. Katie. Yes. I know I already complained about that awkward moment. Yeah. Uh -huh. But may I add two more things? Please do. Okay. One, the in the Zac Efron storyline, he meets a woman and she changes him and now he's ready to commit. And in the Miles Teller storyline, he starts sleeping with his best friend. And those sound like two different storylines. But the way the movie executes it, they're not at all. <laughs> it completely avoids all of the inherent conflict in sleeping with your best friend and just like completely replicates just the idea of like, now he's met a woman who he's ready to settle down with. And like, even really, really shitty things like How I Met Your Mother or whatever are able to be like, oh, there is an inherent awkwardness in sleeping with someone you were previously friends with. Mm -hmm. And that awkward moment just doesn't, completely yeah. avoids that it's got awkward stop. right in the title yeah. <laughs> um yeah. and like i thought when they first hooked up uh he miles teller hooks up with uh mackenzie davis from black mirror and halt and catch fire great actress yeah uh probably the best part of this movie um and uh when they first hooked up i thought the thing would be that she's like hey, we're just bros, I want to be friends with benefits, you know, and he would be, like, falling apart, but would still be more interesting than what ended up happening. Yeah. Um, and then my second thing is there's a part of this movie early on that I think is kind of the key to why it's so bad, where all the guys are talking and they're like, hey, let's, let's sow our wild oats because when we're 30, we'll all be married and have kids. And like, there's just such an agreement that's like, oh yeah, when we're all 30, we'll be married and have kids. And I feel like that's just the fundamental problem of this movie. Cause like, to me, what makes you interested in a romance is the idea of the protagonist being like, it might never happen for me, you know, like that's yeah. the drama and the conflict. And 
they never they really never have that like even at the crisis point it's really just like they're like am I going to commit and tell this woman I care? And then once they do that, they just have a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> They're completely in control the whole time. Yeah, some of these fucking bullshit. It's so bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up is the Boondocks episode, Pretty Boy Floozy, which is an episode that doesn't, it focuses not really on the main characters that most Boondocks episodes follow. It focuses on... I think this guy's their neighbor, right? Tom Dubois. Tom Dubois. And it's uh, uh, Tom Dubois and a character named Pretty Boy Flizzy, who is an... Is he an R&B singer or is he a rapper? I think he's an R&B singer. He's an R&B singer. Um, kind of modeled after, like, Chris Brown, it kind of seems. Um, it's a really good episode. It's really funny, and uh, I, f I feel like... The Boondocks is like what South Park would like to be. <laughs> like it's, it does a good job of tackling serious real world uh, events and issues irreverently and yet in a way that feels well thought out uh, and intelligent. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this episode a lot. My only real complaint is that Michael B. Jordan voices a character who's got pretty boy right in his name, and yet the character is like the least pretty boy on screen. And I'm like, just draw Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> but but they didn't. They drew a much uglier man. But other than that, it's a great episode. Lenny. Yeah, I pretty much echo everything you say. I thought it was a really fun episode, and Michael B. Jordan did a really great job, again, like, He's a really dynamic voice actor, which I wouldn't necessarily expect. Like, the stuff that he's in, the live-action stuff he's in, like, he's obviously very good at acting, but I wouldn't, like, single out his vocal performances, yeah. you know? But he's definitely really dynamic when he's in animated stuff. That's true. Yeah, he's definitely not somebody that you think of him and you think of, like, crazy voices. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's really great. Next up is the... 2015 version of Fantastic Four, a movie hated by most people, somewhat enjoyed by me. Uh, what is there to say about the Fantastic Four? Um, I thought it was pretty fun and that it has pretty good in terms of the characters, especially Reed Richards, who I usually hate, but I feel like they found the exact right level of douchey to make him enjoyable but still Reed Richards-y. The facts when I watched it are I just watched that awkward moment and was very relieved to not be watching that awkward moment anymore. <laughs> I'd had a Mike's Hard Lemonade. I was very horny. <laughs> uh, and I you know, Reed Richards and Victor Von Doom have what is obviously an off-brand Charles and Eric thing going, <laughs> but an off-brand Charles and Eric thing is better than no Charles and Eric thing at all. In conclusion, yes, I'm giving this a not worth it because oh, <laughs> God. the story, they, they structure the story extremely poorly, but I don't understand why it's so hated. And I guess I would just say that the, this movie had some interesting parts but couldn't tell a story to save its life is also an accurate description of the Dark Knight and Captain America Civil War. <laughs> so just fucking chew on that. <laughs> Lenny, yeah. I'm just so relieved to hear you give this a not worth it because while we were watching it, you seemed like 
quite invested. It's fun. It's a fun movie. It's like after it ends, you're like, oh, I would have, uh, I would have structured that this way and fixed up this stuff in the script. But like on a basic level, sure. I give it a sure. <laughs> Lenny. Yeah. I disagree. I do not think it was fun at all. Um, like knowing that everyone hated it, uh, and it's like the most hated of all the Marvel movies that have come out in the last decade, I had very low expectations and I was expecting it to be shitty in a specific way. Like you hear that a superhero movie is universally hated, I feel like you expect something kind of like B-movie-ish, like pulpy, and it wasn't that. And so at first I was like, oh, this isn't as bad as everybody says it is. But then maybe 20 minutes in, I was so painfully bored that I was like, oh, this is what everybody meant. It's not, it's not over the top crazy bad. It's there's nothing here bad. Fully agree with you, Lenny, that it, the structure was terrible. It really felt like it was ramping up to eventually telling a story. And it felt like that for maybe 70 minutes. And then there was like 30 minutes where it was like, oh, the world is about to end. And then the movie was over. Weird and poorly balanced. Uh, I had no interest in any of the characters. Uh, and I felt like the, I didn't like the production design. It was like dark and boring. And they go to like an alternate universe that I would expect to be kind of cool or at least like really scary. And it's just a bunch of like dark, dark gray rocks and it's boring and terrible i hated this movie uh next up is creed this is a sequel and or uh spin-off spin of the rocky movies uh and it's it's was very critically acclaimed and it was part of the reason that I nominated Michael B. Jordan for for this episode is because I knew I would never watch Creed if I didn't have to, but I felt like I should. Um, and you know what? I'm glad I did. I don't like things about sports and I didn't like the original Rocky, but damn it, I did like Creed. And I, this is you know, a sports movie that I don't think you have to be interested in sports to enjoy because it's just a human story. Maybe some people who like sports movies would argue that all sports movies are human stories, but I disagree. But this one was. Um, it was really well acted. I even liked terrible actor <laughs> Sylvester Stallone in it. It was moving and sweet. And I liked it a lot. And Michael B. Jordan is crazy handsome. And that girl from Dear White People is crazy beautiful. I don't know her name. Katie. Yes. I looked up her name to uh -huh. avoid this very situation. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, it's Tessa Thompson. Thank you so much. She's gorgeous. So Creed is a movie where it's like, you know, to my for my personal taste, like a boxing movie isn't going to be the thing I'm most excited about. But it's just something that's so well executed that it's like, if you enjoy movies, you'll like Creed. It's just a good movie. <laughs> the romance between Michael B. Jordan and Tessa Thompson is really good. Like, I feel like a lot of films really tack on the romance, but this felt like uh, really organic and really part of the film. And like, it, not not to be that guy, because Creed's a respectable movie, but like, they are both so crazy sexy. <laughs> like, seeing them true. together is definitely a great experience. <laughs> um, and you know, like. Creed 
it's so just like good on just like a gut visceral sucking you in level that I like enjoyed stuff that I shouldn't have like I I think I've only seen one of the Rocky movies previous to this and didn't enjoy it but like when Rocky takes him to the steps and they're like running up them I got so pumped and yeah. I was like why like this is a callback to something I didn't see or enjoy but <laughs> yeah Creed is just a very fun very good movie yeah next up is what seems to be an ad for Apple TV, but it's somehow on Michael B. Jordan's IMDb. Yeah, it's, it's called Apple TV Father Time, and it's listed as a short film on his IMDb, which in all my years of looking at actors' IMDb's, I've never seen this before. Yeah, me neither. And, like, in my professional opinion, it is a very good ad, but also uh, I'm not going to recommend ads to lay people as entertainment. Mm -hmm. So obviously I'm giving it a not worth it for being a fucking commercial. <laughs> yeah. And isn't the, isn't the athlete he's paired with Kobe Bryant? So because it's Kobe Bryant, that's an additional reason that I do not suggest you watch this. Because he's gross and a bad person. Uh, I wish this was not on my Kobe Jordan's IMDb page. That's all. That's all I gotta say. Now we're going into our final thing, Katie. All right. Weird way to end. <laughs> we're ending with a uh, two or three minute short film called Against the Wall. And it is, uh, it's, it sort of has the feeling of a really well done PSA. It's a PSA. It is a PSA? Yeah. Oh, okay. It do okay, that's another thing that doesn't feel like it should be on an IMDb page then, but that makes sense because I was going to say it feels more like a PSA than a short film um, about police brutality against black people. And it's, it's uh, basically a bunch of audio of police being horrible to black people or, or like police dispatch calls. And then a bunch of close-ups of black actors and actresses, like, pressed against a wall. And it is, it did make me emotional watching it, even though I was like, this feels like PSA. Um, but it's, it's well done, and it's only a couple minutes long, uh, so I would say it's worth it. It's, it is very moving. Yeah, I'm also going give to it, give it a worth it, you know. It's just three minutes, take that time, think about how we have to stop police from murdering black people. That's all. That's what Against the Wall is. <laughs> yep. Well, Lenny. Yeah. That's it. Katie. We did a Michael B. Jordan. Would you please join me in ending this episode with a fuck, Mary kill? I suppose I would. Do you want me to start? Uh, please do. Okay. I'm definitely gonna fuck Creed. That mm. guy knew what to do. Yeah, that's And I, I think because it's a boxing movie, he had like an even better body than other Michael B. Jordans. I am going to marry Mikey from that awkward moment. Uh, and I'm gonna kill Hotel Noir guy for, uh, getting up in a woman's face and then laughing when she's like, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, I will also fuck Creed, cause he's got that boxer body, yeah. but he does not have that boxer face. Cause that's a perfect point <laughs> in his career where he hasn't ruined that face yet. Yeah. Um, I will also marry that awkward moment guy because he's a, a little sweetie pie. Yeah. And I would love to rescue him from his terrible white friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and I, I yes. just want to thank you for acknowledging that when you marry a guy, you forbid him from seeing his wife. I absolutely do. I want to go and on record. And she's single. Yeah, come on, fellas. You can DM her, twitter.com slash Wright if you want to be <laughs> separated from your friend. <laughs> um, and I'm going to kill Pretty Boy Flizzy from oh, the Boondocks. Oh, that's a good one. I'll do that one, yeah. <laughs> because he... He goes on record as uh, beating a woman. Beating yeah. a woman. So, and also he's a cartoon. Yeah. So I feel less guilty. Lenny. Yeah. I just want to say about the filmography of Michael B. Jordan that he's played a lot more people from rough backgrounds and people who've had run-ins with the law than our our previous featured actors. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not sure why that is. Like, and that's like a very interesting thing. <laughs> David DeSmolchin and Kyle MacLachlan both play more guys who have done bad things, but I would argue that that is because of qualities that they have as performers that make you be like, that guy has sliced open a person. <laughs> but Michael B. Jordan is so obviously a boy next door. He's so, like, he like he obviously has range, and, like, I'm looking forward to seeing him play a villain in Black Panther, but, like, the idea of immediately looking at him and being like, mm, that guy's been to prison is, like, <laughs> come on. Yeah, but I guess, like, he plays a lot of characters with criminal records, but he does yeah. not play a lot of characters of his, who are, like, bad dudes. All of his characters are, like, the really nice guy in the gang who's yeah. never done anything wrong. yeah. But there's, like, a very clear tipping point of, like, in um, in his later stuff after he made it, like, uh, Creed and Fruitvale Station, it's, like, those characters are stereotypical in some ways, but they're also, like, fully fleshed out people. And then earlier on, it's, like, the same type of character, except it's just, like, he has one line that's, like, here's how it is in my neighborhood, and then they just, like, cut away and never right. come back to him. Yeah. Oh, Lenny. Yeah. I need to revise my fuck, Mary kill. Yes. Because I'm obviously going to marry the guy from Chronicle. He's the best. Aww. He's the coolest. And he, he's like a pop, a popular guy who's also like very nice to the outcasts at his school. And he's really the kind of character that I expected to see Michael B. Jordan play a lot because he's the vibe I get yeah. from Michael B. Michael Jordan. Michael B. Jordan fully looks like the homecoming king. Yeah, but that's like the only role he's had like that. And every... Every other character he's played basically is like, I'm doing the best with what I can, but um, yeah, I'm just trying not to get arrested again. It's really surprising. Lenny. Yeah. What, what direction would you like to see Michael B. Jordan's career take after this? Katie, first off, I just want to say on the previous note that it's almost like there aren't a lot of roles written for black people. What? Not just I, sound I started to suspect that while watching this. <laughs> no. As for what direction I'd like to see him in, I really think he's basically already doing it. Like, I'm looking forward to the next Creed movie and uh, uh, Black Panther and more rom-coms, hopefully, that are of a better caliber than that <laughs> awkward moment. But, uh, yeah, basically, like, he's pretty much achieved a level where I'm just like, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I did not know that there was another Creed movie coming out, but I will see it. Uh, yeah, he. I didn't. I didn't really realize this when I nominated him. Like I thought that he had been 
an A-lister for a while when I nominated him, and I expected to be seeing a lot of, like, great things he'd been in, but watching his filmography, I realized he's, like, just at the beginning of taking off, so I'm excited to see what he does, and I'm sad that I watched so much garbage that he <laughs> That's what happens when you guys vote for Katie's nominees. <laughs> vote for Lenny's. If you want to see a lot of sex comedies from the 90s. Pretty fucked up to say. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Lenny, you got anything else to say about Michael B. Jordan? No. Um, I love him. Me too. He has an absurdly perfect face. He's so gorgeous. And he's always been perfect looking. Like, he was a cute kid, yeah. and then he just became a handsome adult overnight one night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty stunning. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Tune in next month for Octavia Spencer. Octavia Spencer, my third victory yeah. out of three. Fuck you. And follow us both on Twitter at Lenny Burnham and at Katie L. Wright. If you follow us and keep your eyes peeled for a poll, you can have a hand in deciding what our next episode is about. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun. Stay nasty and stay major.